0: Welcome to What's the Story? My name is Matt Edmondson and this is a podcast full of stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And today I am chatting to the beautiful, the talented, the all-round amazing people, which are Malcolm, Trish, Morgan. Uh, We're going to be talking about higher heights, deeper seas living in Northern Ireland, Greece, Liverpool, everywhere on the planet basically, but before we get into that with Malcolm Trish let me explain to you that this episode is brought to you by Crowd Church, which is an online church and you can check out a whole bunch of live streams uh, from online alphas to questions like what does the bible say about suffering to the Christmas episode that Malk and Trish did for us on Crowd Church a few years ago. You can check out all of that on our website at crowd.church. Yes. Crowd is an online church, so do check it out the website www.crowd.church and sign up for the newsletter while you're there as each week we will email you the links from the podcast, the notes, the transcripts, none of that spam nonsense, but it's all directly to your inbox, totally free and it's totally amazing. Now, uh, Malcolm and Trish, uh, before I read your bio, one thing that I do want to do, because it says here in my notes, let's give a shout-out. Uh, and I said to you guys, uh, before we started recording, who do you want to give a shout-out to? And you guys said... Karam Kadur. And why are we giving those, uh, well those, Kram is a person, not of those, I'm thinking of Kram and Liz, <laughs> uh, who are a beautiful couple, why are we giving them a shout-out?
1: Ram just got his citizenship to become a UK citizen. He was a refugee from Syria and arrived a few years ago in Britain and has now got his citizenship. Nine years
2: from Syria to awesome. now.
0: Yeah, congrats, Quran Yeah, stoked for you, man. I remember being at their wedding uh, a while ago. Oh, it was a while ago now. Uh, they've got, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's great that they've got the citizenship. And in fact, let's do this, the Steve Wright thing we talked about before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big up. We're so pleased for you, Cramp. So uh, that's awesome, man. So guys, listen, welcome to the podcast. Let me read your bio, right? It says here that Malk and Trish Morgan are a couple who have spent their lives working for the church and Christian organizations, which includes... A full-time band uh which we might want to get into that uh you've lived all over the world like i mentioned including south africa northern ireland greece and the uk uh Malk is now the senior pastor of st andrews in bath not bath bath uh we were debating that uh, and trish has recently written a book recounting some of her incredible some of their incredible faith journeys this is the book here Uh, Higher heights and deeper seas. We're going to get into that. There's one particular thing which I've underlined definitely want to get into that Uh, You can get that on Amazon You guys have been married if the notes are correct for 38 years have two kids and four grandkids So welcome to what's the story. It's great to have you here guys really psyched. Great. Thanks Matt. Good to be with you Yeah, it's great to have you I was trying to think earlier on like how long I've known you and it must be when you guys moved to Liverpool that we met right 2013, yeah. 2013, is that when you, oh jeez. Yeah, nine years, nine years. It goes by quick, doesn't it? It really does go by quick, so nine years. Uh, But you guys aren't in Liverpool anymore, you're in, like we said in the intro, you're in Bath now, right? Uh, uh, Vickering, pastoring a church in Bath?
1: Yeah, I'm the senior associate minister of an Anglican church uh, called St Andrews um, on the edge of Bath and a brilliant bunch of people and enjoying every minute of it.
0: Now, did you, Mal, grow up saying Bath or is this something you're doing to fit in with the locals?
1: (laughs) No, down south we say Bath. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a Welshman, you know, I'm I'm down south, it's Bath.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Trish, are you Bath or Bath?
2: Uh, I'm not sure, actually, but probably these days bath more. Grass, grass, grass. (laughs) grass, grass. (laughs) You know, potato, potato,
0: all of Potato, potato. For anybody outside of the UK listening into the podcast, uh, why are we pronouncing words that are the same slightly (laughs) differently? There is a split in the UK. There's a North Divide split on how you pronounce certain words bath being one of them which is a beautiful town uh in the uk and if you're from south if from you're from the south or more southern, you tend to say bath whereas if you're more northern you tend to say bath or mm-hmm. grass rather than grass uh, and so that's why we're just picking up on regional accents but uh Martin, you're from wales right you're not even yeah. you're not even north or south you're welsh i'm welsh um
1: left wales many many years ago Yeah, I brought up first 18 years in wales uh yeah, long time ago, left there <laughs> and uh, never returned.
0: Still got the accent though, right?
1: Yeah, can't get rid of it. Tried my best. I like
0: it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's awesome. It is properly awesome. It's one of my favorite accents, a Welsh accent. So don't ever lose it. Uh, it's, uh, it's brilliant. So guys, great to have you here. Now, um, one of the things I like to ask on What's the Story is about your sort of faith journey in terms of how you came to faith, right? And I know you both have quite different stories because we did the prequel and we chatted through it. Um, but you, you both have quite different stories, right? So who wants to go first out the two of you? Go on, I'll go first. In Wales, I was brought up, um, being sent
1: to church by my parents. My parents were religious and it was the duty to, to be sent to church every sunday in a suit and tie the whole picture and i hated it from the age of five onwards to 15 we were sent every week to represent the family the church we went to in wales was dead there were about 12 people in it scattered throughout a big building um, it was it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever Got so bad once, actually, Matt, that um, I fainted in church one Sunday. I literally fainted. I could come wow. out by the primary head teacher, driven home. Best thing that happened to me. <laughs> in fact, it was so good, I fainted the next three weeks running.
0: <laughs> you, you, you'd figured so, so. The first faint was genuine, the second the three were fake? Were, were fake, yep. <laughs>
1: My dad basically laid hands on me and I got healed immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't until I was fifteen I was given the choice to leave if I wanted to, and I did. And vowed never to enter a church door again.
0: Wow. It was wow. dead.
1: There was no life. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Never So what happened what happened then then? Because obviously I mean you're leading a church now, so <laughs> yeah, something know, yeah, obviously they, happened in between, right? <laughs>
1: I went to university and got saved at university, met some friends. When you first start university, you go around in groups, and there was about ten of us in a group and two of them were Christians, Okay. and as soon as one of them mentioned that, I started spouting off and making fun of them, and basically they questioned me on that and got me talking about why, and yeah, over a period of a number of weeks, they introduced me to Jesus. I'd never heard the story of Jesus mm. about salvation mm. when I was going to church all those years, and um, they introduced me to Jesus. I discovered it for myself, and that was uh, the start of totally different lifestyle.
0: Wow. well, wow, that's yeah. crazy. You can go to church all those years and never actually hear the gospel or the story of Christ, right? You know, I look back, and the only preach
1: I remember was um, a vicar coming, and he spoke about Doctor Christian Barnard's first heart operation, mm. and talking about whose heart was it. That's the only preach I remember. In wow. all those years. crazy,
0: wow, wow, crazy. Well, wow, wow! Yeah. So you go to uni, you meet up with some Christian friends, and they basically suck you in over a period of time.
1: Yeah, they opened the Bible to me. I'd never read the Bible, mm. the Bible like that. Um, and over a period of three months, got me talking about Jesus and who he was and why he died, mm. and it was all new to me. I had no idea.
0: So, um, so what was it that made you? Um, I'm curious because you you became a Christian sort of similar age that I did by the sounds of things. And so what was it then at that age that sort of drew you into going, yes, this is real. Yes, this makes sense for me.
1: Um, I guess it was my, again, you know, you're 19 years of age. You're looking at life and what it's all about. And the way they introduced it was so good, it, it wasn't pushed at me, but we talked about issues and talked about who Jesus was and, and why he came and died. And it mm. suddenly clicked. It all made sense. And um, it was only a, a short step then for me to say, right, I'm committed to this. And it started my faith journey off.
0: Wow, yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. I think you're right. There is a point, isn't there, where you're faced with that truth, where you're, f- and you kind of decide, well, if this is real, I need to do something about it. I can't just. I can't just say it's true and then not do anything about it, right? You're kind of confronted with this a little bit, uh, and, and so yeah, that's and interesting. That was,
1: and you know the old story of the, you know, what if you step out tonight in front of a bus? Where mm. would you go? And I think that was one of the questions I was asked, and I said, sort of realized that yeah, I can't put off making a decision. It's, mm. it, you either choose or not.
0: So mm. yeah. it's interesting how that question worked for you. For me, it used to really wind me up. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> It used to, what happens tonight if you die? I don't know. Leave me alone. Stop asking me crazy questions like that. <laughs> it used to really wind me up. It made me think, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So, Trish, what was your story then growing up?
2: Um, a very different one to Mark's. Um I was raised in a Christian family. Um, my father was a minister of a church, um, and so therefore I was taken along to church, well, right from the very word go. But I was about seven and I remember going to an evening service one week and they had a drama and the drama um, was very effective in my opinion. I was only seven, but I realized at the end of the drama that I wanted to make a commitment to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I went forward with an elderly man. He also went forward Um, and we sort of made a commitment to, to become a Christian. And I think at seven, you're young and you just carry on living life, don't you? And being raised in a Christian family. And it really wasn't until I got into my teens that I started to think one more time about what I believed, why I believed it. Asked my parents some really difficult questions, um, but came to that conclusion, you know what? There were certain things I couldn't get away from. Mm -hmm. I believed in um, the stories in the Bible. I could believe the archeology span proved some of the things that the Bible was talking about. And then it was just a decision as to either Jesus really was who he said he was or he was an absolute nutter. And we've all been totally deluded and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I thought, you know, I I'd see so much goodness in this person and, and, and the things that he did and the things that he said and the way he elevated women, particularly, mm. I was drawn to. And I thought, I can believe this. And I did uh, when I became a teenager. And to be honest, I've never looked back.
0: That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, two very different sort of backgrounds. Uh, yeah. in, in, so that, how did you guys get together? Ooh. At university,
1: um, Trish's brother was at university with me. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So again, Trish came down to visit him and Steve introduced us. Um, so, yeah, that's where we first met.
0: OK, so was Trisha's brother one of the mates that led you to Christ or was he just somebody you got to know?
1: He was one of the mates who um, then discipled me for the next few years. More, He didn't lead me to the Lord at that time, but um, we became good friends and he, was, he discipled me really well he, the next uh-huh. few years.
0: So began. for the good folks listening that may not know um, what you mean when you say he discipled me, just explain what that means. Yeah, he
1: talked me through life following Jesus and what it means and how you live your life therefore, how you handle money, how you handle relationships, work, the whole lot. you um, It's a teaching about how to follow Jesus. Mm.
2: That's my older brother. I do also have to say, whilst he might have discipled Malcolm for a while, that um, when Malcolm and I decided after about a year, 18 months nice. later uh, to date, my brother was rather concerned and he took me to one side and he started to tell me all the bad things about
1: like Great friend great
2: friend. He said, oh, you know I want to date him he's very unreliable and he started to tell me a story of the time that Malcolm had you know stood a girl up at a cinema and not turned up and all that and there was, and he had this private conversation with me and Matt was in the other room and I left I said to my big brother thanks very much for that Steve I said but I think I quite fancy him, so if it's all right with you, I'd like to see where this goes. And walk really the walk into the He's a bit nervous, and he's saying, "What did he say? What did he say?" And I said, to him, "If you she ever stand me up, me
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: if you ever stand me up at this cinema, wow." <laughs>
1: There was a good reason that's. Oh,
2: no. no. <laughs> we haven't got time. We haven't got time. Let's just leave That's it really,
0: that's just brilliant.
2: So rather well.
0: well yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And I, that was actually, Trish, you answered my question because I'm thinking, okay, so I'm thinking, because I have a daughter, Zoe, and I was thinking, well, if Josh um, mm-hmm. was discipling somebody at uni or Zach, you know someone who just become a Christian, and they met Zoe and decided to start dating Zoe. So I would expect my boys to take that guy aside and have a very strong <laughs> conversation with them. And yeah. so I was curious to know if Steve did this, but it sounds like he didn't talk to you, Malcolm. He talked to Trish and tried. to Yeah, yeah that's right. He's but you know what? Okay, he? all went circle
2: Stephen turned up. He's the best man at our wedding.
0: So. <laughs> So, the best man's speech must have been brilliant.
1: Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: we often love to tell that story if you can take that bit out. Anyway, there we are. Also That's given.
0: fantastic. That's fantastic. So, he.
1: We were real at university. He knew, he knew my weaknesses and all the rest. Oh, so. no, it's great, isn't it? And yeah, yeah.
0: it's really cool. And, it's, and then I find, like at uni, I became lifelong friends at uni with a couple of guys. We're still friends. In fact, I'm going to go see one of them tomorrow down in London. Um, a guy called Tony who's been on the podcast. Uh, his wife's actually been on What's the Story? Talking about dealing with cancer. He's been on Crowd Church, But we met at uni and we're still mates now. And there's something about this time, isn't there, at uni when you're young in your faith where getting around other Christian people just seems like the really smart thing to do. And it, it brings these sort of lifelong friendships, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the discipleship that happens there, you're at the same age. It's the last time where people of the same age are together. Once you leave university, you go to jobs.
0: Yeah, that's true. it's
1: true. Last time that age group is together. Mm. And I think it's a brilliant time to disciple and, and and get Jesus known. You know, some of the university
0: work fusion mm. do at university is superb. Mm. So Yeah, Yeah, really good point. So you guys meet at uni, you start dating. When did you get married?
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, about three or four four years years later. later After Because I was working in London. I I trained as a nurse. So I was a nurse. He was training as a teacher. um, And so we sort of... And then I travelled a lot. And then I joined the band. So it wasn't very easy. We weren't sort of, um, you know... um, in the same town round the corner from one another dating we 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 took took quite a lot lot of time apart Mm. because traveling and and things so yeah good few years probably about four from the first time that we met to the time that we finally got married
0: okay and tell me about the band then
2: hmm the band were full-time christian band at that time i mean i loved music i um i was happy to play wherever whenever um, but I just got this fantastic opportunity um, to join a full time um, band and Christian mm-hmm. band. They're called Heartbeat. And I joined them in the early 80s and I traveled all over the UK. We played at loads of different venues um, you know, colleges, universities, schools, prisons, you name it, and churches. We did that too. Um, we recorded. We wrote songs. Um, and yeah, it was a fantastic training, good foundational thing for me as a songwriting musician to mm. have had in mind. And at some point, um, we got married, and Melk joined the team as the first t- first non musical member. Non musical
1: member, yeah. <laughs> uh, he
2: became the youth worker. So at an MC event. So when we did events, Melk would be the MC, the youth worker um and we so we traveled together then for about six years was it six years wow yeah. oh wow yeah there we go well
0: so you early married couple traveling around for six years doing the christian music youth worker stuff yeah. that yeah. must have been an absolute riot surely
1: it's a great time some amazing stories um incredible. some incredible things we saw we were based in Malmesbury in wiltshire the mm-hmm. team were there we had our own homes um we people came and and stopped with us, there were shared homes, Uh, but it was a brilliant time, yeah.
2: Very formative, I think, in terms of ministry for us. Hmm. Even, you know, like we were late 20s and, you know, we then all started to have kids amongst us, so we were were quite like a community, to be honest, within. Um, We all went to different churches if you wanted to, but we didn't get much time because we were constantly on the road, constantly at churches, leading their worship. Um, That kind of thing. So we were quite four front runners to the worship revolution that happened, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, so mixing the contemporary rock music kind of thing to worship songs, which before there'd been a a real, you know, a division between nice Himmy songs and So we were um, experimenting, I guess, with the songs that we were writing and wanting it to be extremely modern and contemporary and writing songs that that people could sing as well Mm. together, anthemic kind of stuff. So yeah, um, fantastic experience. We saw, like Matt says, incredible things and we still meet people. Anywhere around the world, and that's no lie, that walk up to us and goes, "Can I ask you a question? Did you used to be in a band called Heartbeat?" And if you say yes, then we hear this amazing story of what happened when they went to one of our concerts, how they got saved, how they God did an amazing miracle in their lives and their families, and and it's it's really exciting, and it carries on to this day. It's fantastic.
0: That's that's an amazing legacy, isn't it? That's uh, we in the church. We like to use the analogy of seeds planted. Um, yeah. And you just never know when God's going to bear fruit with those seeds, do you? And and, and here you are. It's very, very humbling
1: as well to mm-hmm. yeah. hear you know people's lives 20 years later, yeah. how it influenced them at that time. Yeah. That is, yeah, crazy,
0: just a... Uh, well, that must thrill you when you actually, when they come up and say things like that, you're just yeah. like, oh my goodness. I mean, it,
2: it, to go full circle, at present, we, uh, in the summer we um, spent an evening around a couple's house at the new church that Malk is now the senior minister of, and the guy just offered the fact that um, he became a Christian at one of our concerts in, um, in Bradford and Avon, and I never knew that. And, they, and now he's married, he's had kids, um, you know, and I mean, we're now fast-forwarding about 30-odd years. Yeah. And you'll sit there thinking, well, who knew?
0: <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is great. Absolutely fantastic.
0: It's a privilege, yeah. It yeah. is. It's one of those things, isn't it? When you listen to stories like that, it thrills you and you're really excited because you just... When you do stuff, you don't always see God's hand at work at that point in time, do you? You, uh, whether it's doing a concert, whether it's writing a book, or doing a podcast, or doing a sermon, you don't know. You can you can see certain things, but what you see, I think, is very limited compared to the eternal work that sometimes God's doing. And here you are, twenty years later, meeting these people, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, I just... Really?
2: And I mm. think that's the that's the most exciting thing about having an adventure of faith in God is that you have no idea what God can plan and prepare and purpose for, for you. You mm. just don't know. You couldn't write it if you tried. Um, but God does have that and he does have that in mind. You know, that's what it says in the mm. scripture. We believe that from the Jeremiah, the plans and purposes he has to prosper us and give us a future and give us a hope. And that kind of thing is what God has done uh, and will do. It's not yeah, like oh, we're sitting yeah. back now and we're just saying, yeah, they were the good old days. Well, actually, we believe that we've got a new story to tell today. Yeah. We don't have to hark back to, oh, remember 40 years ago. It's great yeah. when we get that moment, but we can tell you story after story of stuff that's happened mm. even now. You know, instance,
1: so on Sunday, um retired minister was speaking at our church and he said how they opened a school up in Uganda and it was in the rural district and you know, they thought they were just helping a few poor children and he went back there recently and got speaking to an ex-pupil who started a movement in the country um rebuilding a lot of the schools in the whole in the whole country and he says what you don't realize is you are changing a nation what you yeah. did changed a nation mm. and we might never get mm. to hear some of those some of that fruit or hear mm. see that But God Mm. did work, and you've got to believe that. Oh, it's
0: incredible, isn't it? One of the things that's always uh, inspired me about you two, and I I do think you're a super inspiring couple, is this inability to rest on what happened yesterday uh, and the the desire to go, God, what have you got for today? And where do I need to be planning to be tomorrow, right? Subject to me still being here. And you're kind of like... (laughs) You've 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 always had that kind of drive, that kind mm-hmm. of desire to see that. Where did that come from? Was that something you've had since day one of marriage? Was it something that you've kind of had to fight for? <laughs> we've we've always
1: said, let's make life an adventure with God. And wherever we've been, we say, Okay, Lord, what do you want us to do here? And whatever it is, we will say yes to. Mm. And for me it's I, I like to belong to a church that says yes. We can help in in the society doing this, or help in the community doing that. Whatever it is, I want us always to say yes, we can do that. Mm. And I think that's what yeah. we've always tried to do. I
2: think over the years we've realised that part of. I think it's evolved to be on this. You know, when we were young and married, we just got involved in anything and everything. But slowly but surely, I think that um, what you can do well comes up to the top. So I think mm-hmm. we're good we're catalysts for change. We come in and we ask questions, why are we doing it like this? How can we do it better than what's already done? Um, or do we need to stop something and start something brand new? So we like to pioneer, um, be innovative in, in some areas um, and always try and make what we're trying to say um, as accessible as possible. Mm. Mm. You no, know, pull back all the religiosity stuff away from it, and and stop over complicating the good news of Jesus it doesn't have to be so high brown highfalutin. it can be say look it is everyday accessible this good news of Jesus and so mm. that's what we aim to do isn't it it's, we, tra- it's the, we try it's and put the verse it into from
1: Romans is not it take your everyday ordinary lives yeah mm. and admit them to God
2: Romans 12 yeah. from the message mm.
0: Bible. Yeah, I was going to say which translations that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, I, and I think it's, in, in fact, it's one of the sort of the verses that Sharon and I have held on as a married couple. Be transformed by the ruining of your minds, right? And that whole. Um, don't let this stuff weigh you down. Just keep going, keep pressing. You know, Paul's, I press on towards the goal of the upward call. I forget which is past and I press on. And you read language like that. And we don't talk like that so much these days, do we? Uh, But it's it's inspiring. But I am aware, right, uh, that if I can draw some comparisons, you've got the Apostle Paul using language like that, uh, which is quite pioneering, uh, quite let's go take the hill kind of language. You're using language like we're good at being a catalyst for change. We're pioneering. How can I put this delicately? Not everybody appreciates that call on people, right? It's that phrase, isn't it? Actually, is it- the Apostle Paul is probably not going to be welcome in most Western churches if he was around today. Right, right. Yeah. So how have you how have you dealt with that tension? Because that, there must have been a tension, that call and that wrestle on your lives, and actually the reaction of people on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I think we
1: just want to belong to a church that's relevant in the community and I think a lot of churches have become irrelevant, Um, you know, they have no part almost to play in in the community anymore and that angers us, it annoys me because I want the church to be involved in whatever the, whichever community it's in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we get misunderstood, we get um, some criticism but for me, for the joy set before us you can mm. do with it so mm.
2: i, I a bus earlier on this morning and this bus driver was in full flow he was waiting to be changed over and he was standing there at the platform of the bus and he was just talking about his schedule for the day and so i was asking him questions and i said i didn't realize that you went on a different route now i thought you stayed in the same no no i've now got to get a, di- a different kind of bus and you know and later on he was getting us said, i think you've got a few things you want to get off your chest dude because he was really going for it and he said well <laughs> To be honest, he said it's the passengers. And when they keep ringing that bell, and then we were laughing. And I said, I said, buses would be great to drive, wouldn't they, if you didn't have passengers? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and churches would be great to run if you didn't have people. But the yeah. truth is, we are very human and it's mm. full of people. And yeah, it's not easy, especially when they know somebody new is coming in and straight away people are thinking, oh, don't mm. touch this. This is what I do and it's, it's mm. worked. And quite honestly, if it's worked well, it, we keep it. We don't go in and go, that's rubbish. We're going to scrap everything, you know, like some politicians we could think of <laughs> <at> late. Um, <laughs> we, we we come in, We we wait to see what works. We all know what works and the people working in it. We don't change things for the sake of change, but then we think, right, actually having looked how that works, I think we can actually improve on that and do this a bit better. Mm. Um, So I think it is managing people, managing the expectations, um, trying to make people feel there is function and role for them, but in places where they are going to shine best. So, you know, we all know that when you go into some places, you're thinking, you know what, you are a square Pagan a round hole there. That is not working for anybody at all. You or the others. So let's see if we can fit you somewhere else where it does work and where you can shine and where things can be better. So that's the difficulty, Matt, I think sometimes. And it's mm. how we've done that over the years. Um, maybe we've made some mistakes oh, yeah, over the years on, in, in attempting that, but we do believe in transitioning and transformation. Mm. And in doing that, sometimes no pain, no gain.
0: Mm, yeah interesting oh well done uh, so let's talk about then some of the challenges that you guys are, I mean you've had to deal obviously with people uh, This often said that you know without people there wouldn't be problems um, like you said the, the passengers on the bus I love that analogy uh, so what are some of the big challenges that you have you guys have faced as a couple in life and really curious how God brought you through those yeah well Recently, for
1: instance, um, we were working out in Greece. Spent seven years out there um, building a community, and then Brexit happens, mm. and totally throws a spanner in our in our future. All of a sudden, when Brexit was signed, we could only spend three months at a time out in Greece, then three months in the UK, three months back out in Greece, and it totally messed up the whole purpose of what we were doing doing mm. there. And what mm. we did. And also, what was I going to do? Now, COVID COVID was the
2: worst. I mean, Mm. Brexit was the beginning, Beginning. but COVID completely stopped it
1: mm. because we found ourselves
2: four months locked in, either in Greece or in England. We took it in turns to be locked down in different nations. (laughs) Um, But two years of that, plus Brexit, just Mm. really pulled apart what we were trying to do moving forward. It took away the momentum, to be honest.
1: Mm. And all of a sudden you're thinking, six months in England, what do I do with that time? Mm. I can't you know, can't be part time in Greece and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it's, it meant change and we weren't sure what it meant. And mm-hmm. just over a year ago, we were back in the UK, really praying about our future. What what does it mean? Our time in Greece is coming to an end. How do we manage that? And all of a sudden this job appears in, in St. Andrew's church. They're looking for a new minister. They'd advertised and hadn't appointed and they were having to re-advertise. And then I got told about it. And I just had a, a, chat with the vicar of the of the main church, and he said, "Well, if you're the right person, we'll know that," and I, and I go for the job, and it opens up, mm. and he think, okay, Lord, I, it wasn't what I would choose an Anglican church, but you've opened up this door, mm. and I'll say yes, and I'll go through it.
2: And it provided us with a home because we don't own anything, mm. so we were renting in Greece, and you know, um, you know, praise God, this job comes with house and so therefore we've been provided now the house with the job um and we can just see how in the natural there were moments we sat then going okay so this work is we cannot justify staying out in greece Mm. and being supported and getting everybody around us and the the refugee work was closing because the government had um, made the camps quarantine you know areas it just was closing down we thought well you know, we can see it's closing down. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen? And, you know, maybe if you're in your 30s, you just think, ah, oh, you're f- something will drop mm. down. But when you're, you know, late early, 50s, early, early, 60s, early 60s, that's yeah. a very different conversation to be having. Mm. Um, and, you know, to keep living like the way we have always chosen to live since we've married, that we would trust God for our futures, for our finances, for, for whatever um was a big step for us. And and yet yeah, it dropped so well. Mount did the um interview unanimously saying, Hey, you're the right person for this job. Great for St Andrews, great for us. And it's just been a real blessing, hasn't uh, it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's like Paul, he wanted to go one area and the Holy Spirit stopped him. Yeah. And then the next day he got a call into Greece. Mm. And sometimes you just, you've got to say, okay, this is what's opening. I'll go through this door and see mm. what's on the other side. Yeah. And it's, it makes life an adventure. And that's what we've always done, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It doesn't always go the way we want it to.
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. we've gone about it in a very convoluted way, but we get there. Like life mm. isn't linear, is it? It's not a straight no, not. Thing. Here we go. It's a ziggy zaggy. And that's how life is for us as well. We're not any different to anybody else we have our lows, we have our difficulties, um, but we pull God into all of that and say, help us. Mm. And if we need to get help ourselves, beyond asking the Lord, we'll ask for the help uh, because life isn't easy, uh, it is challenging, but we just have to say, okay, today's a new day. Let's see what we can make and, mm. um, you know, adventure together on it.
1: You know, we, we've got twins and, one of the biggest issues was we, we had to make sure our twins were safe and happy when we moved, they moved with us mm. and we had to make sure that they were well looked after as well. We didn't want to lose our kids on our mm. journey. We yeah. wanted them to come with us on that adventure mm. and they did and they they were brilliant over the
0: years.
2: So. Shout out to Aaron and
0: Freya, we love yeah. them. <laughs> go go! So yeah. how did, um, that's a really interesting point right, so you guys uh, have done the you know, the moving around, the church plants, the, the the missionary work in Greece, the stuff with the refugees in Greece. If we get time, we'll touch on that because that's incredible. You do all this amazing stuff. And yet in the middle of this, you've also got family, right? Yeah. You've got the kids. You've got the grandkids. How did you, the, I guess, how did, what were some of the intentional things that you did as parents to, to yeah. keep that family strong? And, you know, how did you do that?
1: We were, yeah, we were in Lincoln. We were both working in the, you know, for the church. We were, I was an elder. I was looking obviously in the youth, the young adults, um, Trisha's in the worship. And one day our twins turned around to us and said they were about seven or eight years old. You're not both going out again, are you? And that made us stop. Mm. We realized that they were beginning to suffer from the work we were doing. So we reevaluated, we stopped and-
2: We took one weekend a month where we just spent time with them as as a family. I didn't take Mm. any bookings to travel. Uh, We didn't take any extra things ourselves. Uh, We either stayed, you know, at home in Lincoln and we did Saturday a day out or we do something on the Sunday so we were home or we went away for the Mm. weekend. Um, We just wanted the kids to know that one weekend a month was family weekend so that they knew that we weren't forever spending every minute of our day um, with other people and for other things. So I think they mm. needed to know they were important to us. And they were. They were our first primary concern that through everything that we did, um, our kids, we didn't put them off following Jesus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's that story with if you're in an office and your kid walks into your office, you turn away from your desk and you give them time first to yeah. show them than you work. Yeah. so we've tried to we've tried to put that
2: yeah practice. we found care for the family very helpful um as we were you know bringing up our kids parenting you know rob parsons has some fantastic um mm. things to mention about the 60 minute father and mm-hmm. all of that stuff being present and i think that's it isn't it it is giving your kids that 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 focus and attention and i guess maybe the lockdown made everybody reawaken one more time about family and, yeah. and children and the time that you hadn't had, that you suddenly had when lockdown occurred um, and a lot of re-evaluation went on there as well, didn't it? But so, I don't know, we didn't get every um, decision right, but certainly on the big ones, I think we we feel at peace with the calls that we've made over Mm. the years. And Now our kids have grown up, they're married, got their own kids themselves, little ones, tinies.
1: Both serving in in their
0: churches.
2: It's great. It's
0: It's Mm. good. And do you do you do i i mean i've my kids are not at the same sort of age you know i uh, um but i'm i don't think i'm that far off hey. and you and you kind of i'm curious to know right you go from this phase of being parents to being grandparents um what's that like if you can describe it
2: what the gap between or the phase like because we had nearly nine years when our ch- kids had done uni They win jobs. They'd find their life partners. That's why we looked at Greece because Greece for us was such a big ask. It was Mm. like wild to go into a culture where we didn't speak the language to begin with anyway um, and do something very radical and see if we could start a missional community out in Greece because there was so little of that kind of thing. Um, But we had this opportunity of seven, eight, nine years where our our kids didn't have little ones. Mm. And so therefore, you know, our kids were just getting on with life and growing up and, you know, they didn't need us around so much. So we felt we had this window of opportunity. And I think a lot of people in their fifties and sixties can have that moment if they Mm. want, Mm. but they think, Hey, there's many more years for us and and Mm. energy in our time. Why don't we do something, you know, and I know. That there are ministries and charities aching to have people of maturity and wisdom go and say we'll come and journey with yeah. you for years even if you don't do seven like we did you know mm. um so we took that and then slowly but surely towards the end of this the first seven years yes. that we were there our kids started to say hey we're having a kid we're having a, a little one um that got hard because suddenly we wanted to be back in the uk yeah. more. Of a- for them more available to be supportive and at the same time um you know particularly my mum she became um yeah terminally ill
1: mm. so
2: obviously that really started to pull me back to the uk quite a lot um so you know how it's, did we manage it seasons it? Isn't yeah. It,
1: yeah and you know just love our grandchildren so much they're mm. the best thing ever because you can spend a day with them and you get lost in their world and Mm. the rest of the world all the issues problems you forget about Mm. for the day Mm. and there's
2: such there's so it is a privilege to spend time with yet another generation coming through they're only tinies right now we've got four under four but when you do the bedtime stories here we Mm. go again let's get out the book let's get out the storybook about jesus and their little minds and hearts are just taking it all in Mm. it's precious
0: yeah, I imagine it is. It must be quite fascinating watching your kids raise kids.
2: Yeah, being parents. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and biting
1: your lip at times thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, oh, really? Yeah. You can't get them to sleep.
0: (laughs) There's there's that sound of my heart breaking, just for you. (laughs) Uh, That's what that was. I always found, uh, I I don't, I can't imagine your kids will be like this, but I, I always found that every generation of parents, newborn parents that I've come across, feels like they know how to parent better than their parents and that their level of wisdom understanding is so much further advanced right so when we had kids and you know it's very different obviously to when mum had me I mean technology was different and all that sort of stuff and I would I would in my head I'd be like so therefore whatever advice mum gives me is obviously not relevant 25 years later I now sit back uh, a few years after that and think what a plonker <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think today there's all these um books available and advice yeah, um, it just
2: keeps changing all the time especially mm. you know health is yeah. a and, and you think well you didn't do so bad you know when we were <laughs> meeting you and everything else and and now look so yeah it is different but you know it is learning to let them raise their own children mm. we don't live close to our kids either which is a bit of a a shame at times especially during lockdown it was awful we were on our own in england Mm. um nowhere near our children but you know we do get to see them far more than we would have done now in greece and that's a real blessing and that was something very deliberately and intentional that we've um done and wanted to happen um because they're not chinese forever
0: Mm. no that's very true very true so You've obviously faced some whole massive challenges, and yet here you are. You're still going. Your kids are still friends with you, you know, and you're obviously in love with your grandkids. I mean, by all by all my measuring standards, that 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 equals success, right? And and you're and you're you've still got hearts for Christ. God's still doing great things through you. I, I everything just sort of checks, and you look at that and go, "That's that's incredible." So, if I could ask you to distill your you know I think every Christian has kind of one message don't they that they sort of come back to time and time again something that's dear and important to them what would yours be would it be the same would you have slightly different ones between the two of you
1: probably slightly different for me I I want to belong to a church that says yes to the opportunities in the community Mm. and if an opportunity comes up to serve a community In whatever capacity or a council I want us to say yes we can do that unless there's a very good reason not to Mm. Uh, because I want us to be involved in in the community in in the city we're in so for me Mm. it's the church that likes to say yes I think Mm -hmm. that
2: reflects one or two the stories you've got in the book yeah especially the south africa chapter the 94.7 bike race where Mm, we said yes on one thing and it was just like a gift that kept on giving it was an incredible time of that so there's there's moments like that isn't there i think for me it will be what the book is saying that there is more there's higher heights there's deeper seas for us to have don't settle for too little don't settle Mm. for the status quo Everybody tends to like the comfort zone. We all like the comfort zone, but you know, when you start to step out of that comfort zone, all I can say for me and for Malk is that God has been there for us. He has mm. he has matched every step that we've taken and then taken us further and blessed us and, and looked after us and helped us no end. Um, and so therefore I would say to people, you know, don't just sit back and settle for the sake of settling, you know? Mm. Um, some people just can live in the same house do the same job live in the same street for the rest of their lives okay great if that's what you really feel meanwhile you can affect your neighborhood and mm. make a difference there that's fine and not everybody can do what we've done but at the end of the day i do think if you if you know god and you want to follow him you want to be obedient i'm pretty sure god's saying there's an adventure for you to have you just got to trust me you got mm. to obey and you got to take those risks and they're ones
0: of faith, yeah. They yeah. won't let it down. Yeah, love that, because they say often, don't they, that faith is spelled R I S K, uh, or is it the way around yeah. Risk is spelled F I A T H. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's a, a it's a brilliant um, it's a, it's a brilliant thing to say. I guess I, a question for you, Malcolm, Then uh, you want to be part of a church that says yes. Yeah. I grew up in a generation that. Um, I think, saw opportunity and seized it. That was, that was sort of what happened. And this is, so when you say we see an opportunity, uh, we say yes, we see a need, we say yes, we get involved. And I, I remember hearing the story of the guy that started Kids Club, whose name escapes me now, the, the chap from New York Bill, somebody or other, wasn't it? Um, and he said that whole ministry started just because he saw a need and he was like, well, no one else is doing this, therefore I'll go and sort it out. And um, he got involved and amazing things happened as a result. But there's a there's a I can hear a thousand people listening to the podcast going, well, hang on a minute. Does that not lead to burnout? But we almost want to put safeguards around that statement, which I think you must find deeply frustrating. Yes, I think
1: the church could do much more than it's currently doing, mm-hmm. We've but the capacity to do more um, and and. I think every church is struggling with volunteers mm. to get on doing the church work, the, the kids' work, the creche work at, at present. But there's a hurting world outside. Mm. And perhaps our focus needs to be more outward looking. And for me, you know, one of the guys in the church said, I want us to visit all the houses in the estate so they know, need to make our, our name known that they know what St. Andrews is doing. We said, yeah, let's do it. Mm. And so we gathered a team together, twelve of them, and they go out knocking at every door in the estate, introducing themselves and what the church is doing, and how we can we help them. Mm. And this leads to some brilliant conversations. Mm. So I think it just needs a good team around you. And yes, you you need your rest, you need your recovery time. It is tiring, mm. um, but it's the it's for, for what's ahead of you. Mm. you no, know, it's. Um,
2: I mean maybe people these days don't want the inconvenience and you know, um people choose these days. It is a choose, isn't it? And then and we're side. we're we're in a sort of a consumer culture, um and there's other things that take people's attention away from, from church. And whereas maybe 20, 30 years ago, you could have thought, oh, you'll burn yourself out because you're doing too much for church. I don't know if that's the same anymore.
0: Mm. I think
2: people might burn themselves out doing life because they're too busy trying to spin too many plates. You do need to make a decision. We made a decision um, that there were some things that we weren't going to do anymore um, so that we could, you know, ease it a little bit easier on our kids and on our Mm. family. But we didn't come so drastically down that we felt we weren't serving the kingdom, and we weren't following what God wanted in our lives. And um, for us, it has been sacrifice, um, it has been inconvenient, it hasn't always been easy, um, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, mm. because mm. for what we have gained and what we see, um, I think everything has been worth it.
1: Yeah. I think- that scripture isn't it store up yourselves treasures in heaven
0: yeah, yeah. and yeah. No, that's I agree.
1: To do with what we do and how we serve the kingdom
2: so yeah i hope that's a jacuzzi because like <laughs> i'm really
0: hoping gold encrusted jacuzzi just, i just want to slide down the streets in my socks that's all i'm saying i just want to i just want to go and keep on going um <laughs> <Bizarre>. <laughs> so I, I find for me one of the constant challenges in life with what I do because I, I run a church but I run a business, you know, and I, I I'm I feel like I'm juggling 25,000 plates sometimes. And that's just the nature of God's call on my life. And okay, I'm, I'm it's, but I find sometimes I'm often, I often pursue a lifestyle rather than pursuing God. Now, what I mean by that is I spend a lot of my time, some would say quite rightly, focused on paying the mortgage for a bigger, better house or a bigger, better car or all that sort of stuff. And you become so embroiled in that mm. that you that you almost stop pursuing God and pursuing God becomes quite difficult to do. And that and then that leads to the statements of well I'm I'm getting burnt out. I I can't do home group tonight because, you know, life over here, this pursuit of and don't get me wrong, I appreciate that life is hectic and crazy and busy. And it's, I'm not saying this to condemn people. I'm saying it because it's a challenge to me often. What am I pursuing? Am I pursuing lifestyle or am I pursuing God? And those choices to deliberately downgrade my lifestyle to create capacity and space to pursue God. Yeah. And not easy decisions to make at the time, but they are life giving over a period of time. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, you know, we say this, you cannot outgive God in time, talent or treasure. You mm. can't. Um, and we have known that throughout our lives. And, you um, you think, oh, you know, I can I afford the time? Well, yeah, you can actually. If you pursue God, you pursue his kingdom, God will give that time back to you. And then you really enjoy the rest when it comes. And rest is important. We're not saying go full throttle mm. 100% seven days a week. We're not. You, everybody needs their moment where they take a breath and they rest. Um, and we've learned... How do you guys
0: do that? How do you guys do Sabbath?
2: uh we we tend to go out our, our way for a day if we can get out from mm. the, the city um we try to be very good about our phones not answering them or leaving them and that kind of stuff um because that's not helpful it's a mm. distraction at times um so we tend to do that yeah. or if we we stay here we'll go for a walk. we do you know we try and do something which is deliberately more restful than
1: mm. you know yeah. Work. we we value the day off in the week that we get yeah mm. and
0: we treasure that and, mm. and make sure we do a rest mm. yeah. yeah brilliant can i ask you a question about your book i'm aware yeah. of time so i want to get my question in so i was reading through your book which arrived the other day so i have to be honest i've not read the whole thing but i'm i'm sucked in prish um so uh and just to plug the book higher highs deeper seas my faith adventures by trish morgan you can i got this on amazon it arrived the next day yeah. So I'm just going to read a section here, which says, "I believe in miracles." Uh, mm-hmm. In uh, in my mid eight, I won't get into what that is. I also recount stories like the times I met influential politicians. For instance, meeting Martin McGuinness just before, in uh, in capital letters, that handshake uh, with Her Majesty the Queen in 2011. Mm-hmm. This is the bit I want to ask you about. Spending a day with David Beckham filming with the BBC for a show called Live and Kicking, which featured my two kids, is up there as an amazing story, too. And then you go into a paragraph uh, which doesn't explain the David Beckham thing. So I'm like, hang on a minute. (laughs) Tell me about David Beckham.
2: That's a prelude you've just read, is it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a
1: chapter in the book. Yeah, that's that's. Oh, is it? Does it it come later?
2: It comes later. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's in the chapter of Lincoln. It's called Lincoln, David Beckham, and the BBC.
0: Okay.
2: Remarkable stories of how we've met um, celebrities. Oh, yeah, page 33. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, yeah. And, um, you know, you said something at the very beginning, and you're absolutely right. We are just everyday people. There's nothing special about Malcolm May at all. And everyday people can have extraordinary moments.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. It's as simple as that. That's what Higher Hearts Deeper Seas is all about. Um, And, you know, sometimes he has given us incredible opportunities to stand in front of very influential people and just, you know, feel the prod go on say it, you know, Um, and other times um, we sat with the most broken of people who have absolutely nothing. Mm. um in a in a camp in a tent in in Greece and either wherever that is whatever we are doing we have been very content to do what god has called us to do wherever that is mm. um and so yeah so yeah the book is quite <laughs> a, a smorgasbord of mm. stories and events and at the very end there's a QR code and if you scan your camera over the QR code it will take you to a dropbox of photos to just back up everything we have said there's photos of all those oh, fantastic everything so there we go yeah in I case, will... you think, in case I've, I've been on a bit of a delusional trip <laughs> I, think was, I think
1: it was heidi baker from mozambique who said just be jesus to the next person you meet
0: mm.
1: and we've tried to follow that yeah and um you know if we're in a restaurant and yeah. you know the waitress is serving us we'll
0: Ask the names. We'll ask
1: the names, get in a conversation, and find out about them, and offer to pray for them. That's mm. you know
0: easy to if do. That's appropriate, we yeah, do, if yeah. appropriate.
1: Yeah, it's Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fantastic. Take those fantastic. opportunities as they come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me say that you guys have been uh, absolute legends and I've loved to get I've loved getting to know you over the years. And I've always been super, super inspired by you guys. So thank you for coming on to the podcast. If people want to connect with you, if they want to reach out, how, what's the best way to reach Trish and Mark Morgan?
2: Um, the best way probably is uh, by email. There's a uh, great adventures in God at gmail.com. That's one way of getting hold of us and then really find me on Facebook. It's Trish Morgan, singer, songwriter and other titles. <laughs> um, yeah, find find us on Facebook that way. Um, that's probably the best. If you want to listen to any of my music, cause you know, we've alluded to me being in a band and songwriting, you can get me on Spotify. You can find me on YouTube. You know all those places where I don't get paid very much, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but go anyway uh, yeah. and have a look. Be and be
2: that person that gives me not point not, not three of a penny, but I'm not big <laughs> <that,
0: that laughs> Excellent, and of course it goes without saying if you're in Bath or Bath, uh, yeah. go visit St. Andrew's.
2: Please Absolutely. do.
0: You'd, You'd be so world-world.
2: welcome, and yeah, and um, we do miss Frontline Church in Liverpool and um, all the friends Church that we really? made in that period of time. And, and you, Matt, that have pioneered the Crowd Church. Um, we just love the DNA of, of those people. Mm. Uh, and when we were in Greece, we felt very well supported and cheered on by them. Um, so, yeah, we are now in a different season, in a different city, but we still feel a heart connection to you guys. Thank you.
0: Oh, bless you. No, it's great. Let me ask you one final question, which I forgot to ask before I asked how people get in touch with you. Um, imagine for a minute Right. You're at the Oscars. You get your big award. The crowds are cheering. Everyone's going, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, Trish, go, 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 go. Uh, and you say, you, st- you you, open a piece of paper and you would say, I would like to thank, I don't know, a family member, mentor, authors, podcast, whatever it is. Who do you thank and why?
1: Uh, what a question over the years. There's been various people who've spoken into our lives. Um, we've been under some amazing pastors. John Harding at Frontline Church is one of them just been so supportive of us Um,
2: i did in the book i have actually done a thank you list because it's hard you once you start Mm. saying thank you to one person you think oh i didn't say thank you to them yeah Um, there are plenty of people we could honestly stand and say thank you thank you thank you Um, we've had an amazing prayer support of people we had amazing um trustees of the charity that we ended up um starting lp the hope uk was a charity Um, that supported us all the way through our Greek time. We had trustees for that, they were incredible. So, you know, we've got a big shout out to many people. I would would love to, you know, I dedicated the book to the memory of my parents, both of them are now in heaven, Um, but also, you know, to our grandchildren, but my kids were amazing in letting Malcolm and I go all these years and do the adventure that we've had we've obviously Mm. as Matt said, they came with us for the first 18 years but we went on after that and um we're grateful for the fact that they they just let us were so open-handed and let us be the mum and dad that weren't necessarily the people that lived around the corner so there's a lot of people to thank isn't there and Mm. and we're just grateful for all the different people at the different times of our lives that have walked a journey with us and some have mm. walked a journey now with us for a very, very long time. So I hopefully I've honoured those people in the book mm. and in every chapter when you see, you think, oh, you know, so, yeah.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Mal, Trish, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us here Malk. on great What's the you? Story. That's uh, no, great. You guys are absolute legends. Stay inspiring, stay legends. Uh, you honestly... <laughs> Brilliant. We'll uh, absolutely we'll brilliant. We'll yeah. I've nice no, no doubt. I've no doubt. So that was Trisha and Mark Morgan. Big thanks to them. Uh, you can get all the info and show notes from today's podcast for free at crowd.church, www.crowd.church. Uh, or if you're signed up to our newsletter, that will be emailed direct to your inbox. If you're not signed up, head over to the website and sign up to it. Remember to also check out Crowd Online Church. Uh, We live stream every Sunday, 6 p.m. And we would love to see you and meet you on the live stream in the comments. Come and say how's it, come and say hello. Uh, All the information for the live stream is also on our website. Uh, We stream 6 p.m. here in the UK, which is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there's a little link on there which will tell you what time that is for you in the world. Uh, Crowd is just a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life just like Malk, just like Trish, on that journey. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow and you are welcome at Crowd Church. Be sure to subscribe to What's the Story, wherever you get your podcasts from, because we've got just we've got some great stories lined up, some great guests coming on, just like Mel, just like Trish, sharing their journey of faith. Uh, and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, dear listener. Uh, oh, wrong screen. Let's try that one. There we go. You are awesome. Yes, you are. Now, What's the Story is produced by Crowd Church. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on George McQuaig, Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I said, the transcript and show notes are available online at crowd.church. Now, that's it from me. That's it from Malcolm Trish. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. I will see you next time. Bye for now.